Coming of Age, the podcast. A cautionary tale. Listen to what they say, then do the opposite. Your hosts, Colin Flynn and John M. Craig. How come it didn't show? Oh, it shows that we're recording. I'm sorry. We're recording now. Yes, we are. How come I can't raise? Oh, okay. I can't do that. <laughs> sorry. You can do that. Okay. You can do anything you want to do. You're John M. Craig, damn it. That's right. All right. So uh, you want to just uh, take it away. You can start whenever you're ready. and then Yes. Unbecoming of Age, the podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Colin Flynn. And I'm John M. Craig. See, we did that without even rehearsing. We didn't even we didn't even talk about that ahead of time. That whole that you would just jump in and say who you were. So it's it's flowing already. It's working. We're started. We're we're rolling. So yes, unbecoming of age, the podcast, and uh, two guys. Uh, you know, to start a podcast generally are going to know each other. But you and I, te- technically, we we've we've spoken a lot, but we don't know each other. Uh, this is this is true. We do not traditionally know one another. We have never met face to face. That's, yes, and so for anybody that is listening, uh, for the handful that, that maybe are going to pick up on this the first time, uh, that aren't uh, familiar with how we, we did actually come to speak a lot without actually ever meeting each other face-to-face, we should probably explain that uh, there's a, a, an audio app called Anchor, and we both uh, sometime, I guess about a year ago, decided to, uh, uh, you know, unbeknownst to this, uh, to each other, just uh, downloaded the Anchor app and, and started playing with it. Yes, uh, yeah, Anchor launched uh, iPhone only, iOS only, in around beginning of February 2016. Yes, and, and you, you and I both got on initially, and it was, it was a strange experience, I think, for everybody that got on there because it was a new thing to social media. It was basically, I mean, you hear a lot of descriptions of what it was or what it is. It still it still exists, but um, uh, kind of like Twitter except audio-based. Would that be kind of like... Uh, that, I used to describe it the same way. Yeah, it, I, I basically called it audio Twitter, but it, audio only. Yes, so you could have somebody come in and they could speak about whatever they wanted to talk about for a couple for two minutes, and then uh, people could reply at random. Anybody from all over the globe literally could reply at random, or random to whatever the hell it was that you said with a one-minute response, and it could go back and forth and just keep bouncing for you know for a long time. And some did bounce a lot. Correct. I mean, it could go like you could start a subject talking about say health issues and people could talk about it and the thing could go on for for a year you could yes. get someone like found your thing and then they reply to it and you get a notification like what who what huh right right so you and i managed to uh, somehow uh, with all those thousands of people from all over the globe really i mean there were people i've talked to people from ireland from israel from south africa from uh syria and all over the united states and uh at any rate you you, you tend to as you're you're seeing these these uh these people's little audio recordings what they called waves when you see these these uh, sound waves these audio recordings pop up with a some sort of a title put out there you you gravitate towards those for one reason or another and you can favorite people and all that stuff and and so uh at one point or another i remember uh a lot of them are are were very um you know they're very subject oriented like they wanted to talk about business or they wanted to talk about um you know they were uh, uh maybe a, a healthcare consultant or something and they were talking about you know their their personal trainer or something like that so there was those kind of conversations and then there was there's john craig yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> which uh, you, you're, you were completely different, I, I will have to admit, than anybody I was hearing because you were just uh, very, um, very uh, free form, just open, open the mic and, and ramble. Would you say that's, that's accurate? That's who I have been my entire life, and I didn't even need a microphone way back when I was younger. I could just do it, and nobody else had to be in the room. So it was a perfect app for me. So, and for me, for somebody that I, I've always enjoyed nonlinear conversational sort of stuff and where, where people would just, you know, could, could talk about a lot of things, a lot of subjects, uh, the, the, the uh, person that just can kind of, uh, that polymath kind of person that just uh, knows a little bit about a lot of things. Uh, John Craig was that person. He was also a guy with, you had a lot of uh, d- different things going on in your life that were, that were different than mine. And we should say, uh, we both live in, in the United States, but uh, you're in a completely different place than I am, correct? Yes, I I currently live in Red Bank, New Jersey, which is 50 miles outside of New York City. It's close to parts of the Jersey Shore. Uh, Closest some might know would be Asbury Park. Red Bank is known for having uh, Jay and Silent Bob's secret stash. That is is Kevin Smith, film director uh, Kevin Smith's um, comic book shop here in Red Bank. Okay. And they do his show Comic Book Man out of here. But it's it's very northeast New York, suburban, you know, New Jersey. Uh, pretty affluent community and pretty white. And, uh, well, that's one thing we probably have in common. Iowa, I'm a match. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But y- you consider yourself a New Yorker. I mean, yes. I mean, I was born in, in Staten Island and lived in New York City for many years and still consider myself to be a New Yorker who happens not to live in New York City at this current moment. And I've heard enough stories to know that your father, uh, even even maybe even more so, typified the, the classic New Yorker in some to sense. A certain de- to a certain degree, my father, a baby boomer, 68 years old now, retired fire New York City firefighter we, uh, before that he was a corrections officer at the Brooklyn House of Detention but very uh, very traditional you know a man's man you know yeah he could never do a podcast he just doesn't talk enough so he, oh, that's he, all I fucking do he was a New York City firefighter he would was he around 9-11 the firefighter thing there or? uh no he he actually he retired in 1996 he was pretty young okay 21 years ago so yeah um but uh, you can retire after new york city after 20 years you can retire uh and get your pension Mm -hmm. uh, for those city jobs at least for uh police and firefighter uh and no he was not um he did volunteer um the day after okay Sort of, but uh, he was very fortunate because uh, the firehouse, one of the firehouses that he worked at, lost a lot of people. Yeah, so that I'm sure you know, being out there, that affected uh, everybody in a major way. That as I, I, me being a Midwesterner, we can't even really, you know, you, you, we saw it on TV, but trying to imagine, yeah. You know, it's interesting that you you say that. I mean, you say that being in Iowa. I'm going to tell you that the further away you were, even even in New York City, the further away you were. Because you, at the time, you know, we didn't have social media the way we have it now. Sure. Even if you did, cell towers came down, like, because TV um, antennas came down because they were on the World Trade Center. So it was like, it was hard to get information. So the closer you were... Even though you didn't know what was going on, the more it hit you. You know, I mean, you know, it's it's uh, it, it was very surreal. You know, and and I was in New York City on that day. As a matter of fact, uh, this is not where 
I expected this to go, but I lived across the street from the World Trade Center. The view out my bedroom window was the World Trade Center. Wow, I, I had could no throw idea. a rock. Yeah, yeah. It's um, I don't talk about it a lot because it's too surreal for me. Um, I consider myself agnostic at best. I'm not necessarily spiritual. I'm definitely not religious. I don't know if I believe everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. Things happen. I don't know. Um, and I'm an, I'm an overthinker, but when it comes to that stuff, uh, my brain starts to explode. So um, my ex-wife and I moved out of that apartment on September 10th, 2001. My goodness. So were you in your apartment? I mean, were you aware of what was at the time, what was going on? No, no. Um, my we had our apartment on the rental market because my ex-wife was uh, waiting to get, the, to get waiting for her work permit for the UK because we were going to move to London. She had a job and they were going to transfer her to the London office. Okay, the London office was going to be like she and one IT guy. She was a salesperson, financial consulting stuff. Anyway, um, we didn't have the work permit, but the rental market was soft. It was a strange time and <laughs> for for a lot of reasons. Sure, yeah, and. We kept pushing. We had one prospective tenant. We were going to rent it furnished for $2,500 a month, which was exactly what our mortgage and taxes and maintenance fee were in our one-bedroom condo. The realtor just said, as in September 1st, we're like, no, it was like August August 15th, no. September 1st, no. And then finally the guy's like, you're going to have to do this. They're like, what about September 10th? You're out, which was uh, was a Monday. So we moved down on the Monday. And uh, our tenants tried to take possession of the apartment on that morning, Tuesday, September 11th, at about 7.30 in the morning, about an hour, roughly an hour before the first plane hit. And uh, I dropped my I, – I, we drove into Manhattan at like 3 in the morning because my ex-wife had to go to her downtown office, which was like four blocks away. And um, she was a few blocks away, and then I was up in – I was in Queens getting my company car repaired. Um, and, uh, yeah, we but but – I should have been in the apartment directly across. You know what I mean? I mean, it should have. On any other day, had we not moved out the day before, I would have been right there in that neighborhood. I never left I never left for work before 9.30, ever. I didn't have to. Yikes, that's amazing. So That's amazing. So It's weird how everybody, I think, remembers where, where, where in general they were when they heard about what was going on or I, I know I was in I was in my car I was headed to work uh, I was working for uh, an ID uh, consulting firm at that point and uh, we uh, started work at eight, 8 o'clock in the morning and I remember I was driving into work and I was listening to Rock 108 and a good friend of mine good buddy of mine who uh, passed away a couple of years ago um, was uh, DJing that morning and uh, a guy named Scott Steele and he played uh, first they were playing Bullet with Butterfly Wings I remember it very clearly and that song ended and he said there's kind of a strange story developing it looks like some kind of a small plane may have hit the World Trade Center and he talked about it for just a little bit started kickstart my heart Motley Crue and came back and that was the last song I think they played for like two days on that yeah yeah, yeah. a lot of a lot of uh, radio stations especially in New York because it was so close right so you know and you didn't know if you knew someone it was just a very surreal experience and uh you know i and i realized like as much as i talk on like anchor and share things on social media it's it's so strange it's so surreal it's like my father was a new york city firefighter Mm -hmm. 
uh, while I knew a handful of people that I had grown up with that were killed either you know in the trade center near the trade center in some way or another i didn't know them well i didn't have a close relationship you know with any of them and i lived right across the street and and again and we were just very i don't even understand it right so it's it's hard for me to process and then there's that thing of this thing that had such a an impact on our country this thing that had never happened before to this even close you know there was the 93 uh, world trade center bombing, yeah, which wasn't even nearly it wasn't you know, i I can't remember how it was, but, uh, and I remember where I was for that. You know, I wasn't in New York. And at the time, I kind of felt like uh, I graduated college already. I shouldn't be living in Syracuse, dating my ex girlfriend, and we're kind of breaking up anyway. Like, I should have been in New York, even though, why would I want to be in New York for that? Right. right? Like, it's like, uh, because I'm a New Yorker, I should. And so I, I think there's this, in some way, you want to be connected to it. So for me, it's sort of this, I don't understand. And I don't necessarily, because I don't, I don't want to be like, you know, do you know who Steve Ranazizi is? I do not. Tell me. The comedian. He's an actor and comedian. Okay. He was, he's on, uh, he was on FX, The League. And he was on, um, he did, he had a Buffalo Wilds Wing uh, commercial campaign that he was doing because he was so popular from the, he lied about being. Oh, yeah. I hear, there, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah I remember hearing this story. Yeah. He lied about it on the, on WTF, Mark Maddox, yeah. and a couple of things. I mean, and it had a major. He, I mean, I, I met the guy like once or twice, but like half a second at the comedy mm-hmm. store. Uh, seems like he really seemed like a genuinely nice guy, but for whatever reason, I don't know. Like, like it, it's that thing that as a New Yorker, some people want to connect with it or be like, I was there. You yeah. know, I mean, yeah. on the day, um, it was hard to get in touch with my ex-wife. Hard to get in touch with friends. Cell towers were down, and we finally got in touch. We walked uh, miles, and we met up at a friend's uh, apartment. Really close. Soupy Sales lived in my friend's apartment. That's, <laughs> I don't know if anyone knows who Soupy Sales is. I remember Soupy, um, Soupy, yeah. So anyway, uh, we, we uh, a bunch of us tried to go over to NYU Medical Center to donate blood, and they couldn't take us. There were too many people, right? Like, there were just too many people doing wanting to do I something remember the, but nobody yeah, I remember the the you know the news accounts where they're showing these just people walking and everybody I mean it, it wasn't it was a lot like later you know these the the, the zombie shows they showed where people just was everybody's walking and everybody looks dazed looking and dusty and you know just kind of strange but it did I think it sounded like in the months afterwards that the uh the community kind of uh, it, it made us everybody pull together, obviously in, in a way. But uh, I heard also there was a there was a big like nine months later there were a bunch of babies born because uh, everybody just wanted mm-hmm. to have sex <laughs> after well, it. You know, it was kind of it was kind of surreal, kind of surreal for for us because our tenants never really took possession of the apartment. Um, they had a bunch of boxes in our apartment, but they fled. And they got in their car and they drove across the Brooklyn Bridge, which was about to be closed in both directions, very close right. um, to the World Trade Center. And, of course, uh, people are like, what are you going to do? Break the lease? Like, what am I going to do? I don't know what the fuck's going on. I'm going to break. And we broke the lease. We gave them their security deposit back. And then my ex-wife and I moved back into the apartment for about a month. And then I was shocked, but my ex-wife's uh, work permit came through. And... Um, we ended up moving to London, right in the heart of central London, 
like four weeks. How later. surreal was that then? And we lived and we lived there until like May of two thousand and twelve, I guess. And then we, we anyway, wa- so we ended up renting our apartment out again. We rented it to New York One News, which is owned by Time Warner Cable. It's their local news station for the for the cable, and uh, it was featured in the movie Ransom, the one with uh, the kidnapping of the kid with uh, Mel Gibson. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a big, it was a big thing. So they rented our apartment to place a camera that looked out of our bedroom window onto what was referred to as Ground Zero, because it was uh, we lived on the thirty fifth floor, and here I am living in. London. My ex-wife is working. I didn't. I had a work permit, but I didn't have any op- like connections. It was a very different time. I used to walk. We didn't have internet. I would walk around the corner to an internet cafe, and I would go to their website, and I would look out my bedroom window to what used to be the World Trade Center in a burning hole. It was sur- all of it was so fucked up and so surreal. So I have a very different perspective on the whole experience. And then we moved back. Uh, my wife was pregnant with my son and that happened so he was born a little bit more than 10 months yeah. later um but uh, he was made in he was made in england and um we came back in august of then we lived in that apartment until we moved down to the suburbs of new jersey that's a l- very long way to say colin and i have very different lives we're from very <laughs> different places i didn't have i had no idea it would go there sorry <laughs> This happens to me no, sometimes, it, 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 and I will not make any jokes about September 11th. Yeah, you you, you wouldn't. And, and uh, Not in the first podcast. No. I mean, podcast number 999. I, I think st- yeah, yeah, I think still the, you know, the, the 9-11 jokes. I, I haven't really heard any, but I, there's, there's certain things that uh, you, you, quote unquote, don't joke about, and I think that still is one of those things that, uh, you know. Well, did, I mean, did you, did you hear, um, you know the movie um, The Arista? Kratz, not to be confused with Disney's The Aristocrats. Yeah, the, the comedic, uh, everybody gets on and tells the story. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, it's the, the dirtiest, dirtiest joke. joke. It's not yeah. about the punchline. It's just a family, and they've got an act, and it's this whole yeah. thing. And there's incest, and there's shit, and there's the whole thing. So the documentary, it came out of, um, I can't remember whose roast it was, was it? but it was Gilbert Gottfried okay. was doing 9-11 jokes. Cause Gilbert Gottfried, you know, he was the Aflac duck, and, you know, he's Iago from, you know, Aladdin. Right. But he, he is a dirty, crazy, <laughs> funny, and and he just goes off the rails, and he can bomb in a room, and he does not give a fuck. And that's what happened. And through that, when the room, and this was at the, I'm pretty sure this was at the Friars Club, you know. And this is before roasts were on Comedy Central and a big deal, right. you know, not to that extent. And the comedians turned on him. And, um, man, it, it was, uh, that's when he launched into the aristocrats. And I think it got a standing ovation, you know, and then, boom, made the documentary. I guess if you're in a room yeah. of comics and yeah, everybody there obviously has a, uh, I think, a different a different uh, level of, of, of what they'll but put up But even they turned yeah, on him. They turned on him, too. You know what I mean? Like, the, the whole idea was too soon. Yeah, too soon, yeah. right? Like, it's like, but even, even to this day, it's sort of, I mean, people joke about the Titanic. The Titanic is a ride. It's like a, you, you inflate the Titanic and people kids jump on it it's like you know what i mean like you, yeah, it's yeah i guess i don't know, you know? Do, do they do like pearl harbor jokes do they <laughs> ben affleck was in a movie that's kind of a joke about it but uh yeah you know, that's other true. than that so yeah yeah but I, that i had not all the time you and i have uh, exchanged these back and forth stories about uh me being in the midwest and you being in in new york and i had i had never heard this uh 
this 9-11 story so that's that's yeah it's good because you know why because to me it's it's like many of my stories non-stories they're like non-stories nothing happened well, <laughs> nothing i happened. heard the other day there's really only two stories in in all of time there's there's two stories one is the crucifixion and the other is the crucible and uh, i listened i listened to that as well <laughs> where, where was that from where did we hear that it was it was from uh it's maron <laughs> maron was interviewing andrew, somebody uh, andrew mac mark maron was interviewing um walter hill the film the director who made um yeah uh yeah. Warriors. warriors so yeah and when i heard that i thought okay i know the crucifixion story i don't i don't i'm i'm kind of drawing a blank on the crucible <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, I didn't look it up. I mean, I every now and again there's some really good quotes in the when he's interviewing people. But uh, yeah, you're right. I, I, I should know. know. I should know. But yes, you're in, in New York and uh, in Iowa. Here, things are things are a, a different pace. I've been to Manhattan. I've, I've been to New York, so I, I have some idea. I think what it what it's about. But I I remember being. Uh, you know, Arube and, and, and getting to Manhattan for the first visit I, I ever took there. And I was uh, on uh, Avenue of the Americas. Is that what the street is called? Yeah, yeah that's that's the equivalent of 6th Avenue. So I'm on 6th Avenue and I'm mm -hmm. uh, near the park. Uh, and uh, there's a big, uh, well, I was near NBC Studios somewhere. And um, so walking along, doing the typical Iowa guy uh, in the big city, you know, kind of looking around and thinking, why this is a hell of a lot bigger than Chicago. I've been to Chicago a lot. This makes Chicago look like Des Moines. But um, I hear this voice behind me, and I hear this guy going, what the fuck are you fucking doing? You're parking in my fucking parking space, you motherfucker. Get the fuck out. And I hear this guy doing his, you know, his, and I, you know, he's just yelling his ass off. And I'm thinking in my mind's eye, I've got, there's a. I'm going to turn around and I'm going to see a little Italian, uh, like maybe. You know, I, I just thought that 25 years old, uh, short Italian guy. For some reason, is what I had in in my head that I was going to see with slick back hair somehow and a, and a wife beater T-shirt. This is the voice in my head. And when I turn around, <laughs> there's a guy that's about 80 years old. <laughs> <laughs> and mm -hmm. he's well dressed and he's you fucking mm -hmm. motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> so i i'm not kidding four days ago i'm in downtown manhattan i'm on fulton street and williams street very close to like if i if you're looking west on fulton street you're seeing the freedom tower which went up in the place of the world trade center and so I see this woman walks out of a coffee shop. She has a coffee in her hand. It's not Starbucks. It's not Dunkin' Donuts. She's got a coffee cup in her hand. She takes the. She's got to be like eighty years old. She takes the coffee cup, and she belligerently throws it right out to the street onto the sidewalk and just splatters all over. And then she goes, walks to the curb. She's looking at nobody in in, in particular, and she takes her middle finger. And it's old lady, middle finger, and her hands almost shaking, and she sticks up her middle. So, I was so I just that's yeah. New York, and and if you're a if you're a tourist and you show up for the first time, it's like what the fuck? <laughs> it, it's exactly like that. Because in Iowa, we 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 don't even honk at people. You know, it's like you can be you can be as mad as you can possibly be in traffic in Iowa, and be behind you know complete strangers. There's an intersection where there's no chance whatsoever that you're ever going to see, talk to, run into any of these people, but you're still going to let whatever idiot in the world do whatever you want to, and a if you honk, 
you're guilty. You know, you're feeling guilty for like, you know, <laughs> I, you know, a month afterwards. Oh, are you, are you, <laughs> I, okay. Okay. Contrary, New York City. So I was hanging out with uh, a good friend of mine. Uh, she and I used to date and whatever, and I've spent a lot of time in this apartment. And she's on the fourth floor. It's, I think there are only six apartments in the building. I don't remember. Maybe six stories, 12 apartments. And her bedroom window and living room are on the street, which is William Street, which isn't as busy as Fulton Street. There's a lot of construction. It's busy all the time. And there is, when there people are honking, I was there during the day, and people are honking, like leaning on their horns. And it may not be the same person, but it sounds like I was in her daughter's room all the way in the back of the apartment which you can close the door and it's pretty quiet you don't hear it sounded like there was a fucking car in her living room honking right like that's how i visualized it like what the it's i've been at her apartment and it late at night 10 11 o'clock not because there are residential buildings i'm like it is so uncivilized to honk your horn like this and i went down to the street and there's a guy unloading a giant 18-wheeler for the CVS pharmacy. And you can't. nobody can get past. And that guy's not. He's unloading his truck. He's not moving it. So instead of get out of the car and have a conversation with the guy, and then someone figure out how we back up cars to go around it the other way to come back, they're beeping horns. And they're getting free. And they're getting angry. And and I walked out. I was like, it was funny to me. And at the same time, I'm like, okay, you, okay. And I got involved and I started directing traffic and yelling at people. <laughs> somebody like, somebody needed stupid. to do this. <laughs> so get the fuck out of her way. <laughs> at the same time, I felt comfortable doing that. But I would not have said a word to that old lady that threw so the coffee and threw you the middle finger. I've heard you, you get into sort of that affectation where you're doing the, the, the New York voice. Now, now, if you're out yelling at people, do you mm-hmm. go into the voice, the, the New York thing? Do you want to sound more New York just so they'll take you seriously? Yes. Well, no, not necessarily. I mean, I, I, I don't intentionally do it. I know that I do it when I'm recording on Anchor if I'm sort of kind of doing a character or some bullshit. Not that I do characters, but it's like if I start to feel that energy and that tone. I mean, I've done it. I've done it in my car where I don't beep or or yell at people as much anymore. I sort of internalize it and then joke about it. But even if I'm faking it and start to do the accent, I get so worked up. So it's like I would... I don't know how I would be in a place like Iowa. Like, I think it would be surreal to me that people well, didn't. Here's, here's something, as, as you and I have had these short conversations over the last year or so, something I, and you mentioning things about your life that I have noticed that is uh, certainly, I believe, different than, than the way I am is, uh, and you, you alluded to it uh, earlier in the conversation, you were at an ex girlfriend's house and you're hanging out with with uh, them and you uh you have uh and i don't know if not saying this is an east coast thing at all but you uh seem to have a much uh higher uh you're on a different plane than i am maybe a, a higher ability a a a means by which you're you're hanging out with exes and you're you with your ex-wife and you seem like you you have i'm more of a you know it's like uh we're breaking up okay fine i'll never see you again <laughs> we're not we're not talking we're we're, we're so not talking we're uh, this is just not going to happen and and you seem to have uh, and an ability or maybe it's a need i don't know but you seem to be uh down with uh keeping the communication open is and 
and it really surprised me recently because you had a girlfriend that was the the uh, Irene the, the she's, she's Irene the, yes the burlesque, the, the burlesque dancer. dancer we don't have a lot of burlesque dancers here in Iowa either um, just <laughs> I don't know there may be some girls that can twirl their pasties in different directions but I haven't seen it um, so you uh, even though you you guys broke up recently you're still hanging you're you're still hanging out you're still well, no, um, we're not hanging as much. Um, I mean, she and I were dating for six months. Uh, she just turned 40, and uh, the six-month relationship that I had with her is her second longest relationship. So that's not the reason I broke up with okay. her, but, uh, it, I mean, it, it, so, it's kind so of So are, are you doing like, it more for, for, do you think, because she needs to hang out or because you want to? Because... Well, no, I mean, you know what? It's mixed. It's it's she she actually sent me a message uh, the other day, and I, I, I want to find it here. Um, she seemed to be okay with me sharing things, but I should probably well, no, using her first name is better than using her burlesque name. And by the way, I always joke that a burlesque dancer is someone who's not hot enough to be a stripper <laughs> uh, and she's a time traveler really likes yeah, vintage I, I, clothing I think you're, yeah and, uh, i would say that's absolutely yeah yeah, yeah the case <laughs> right it's fucking 2017 yeah. i'm just kidding there i'm sure that there's a very small community of people that will hate and that's me for okay that and that's okay ridden, so i'm cool with it <laughs> that's okay <laughs> yeah 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 Oh my god! Yeah, so I'm 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 looking because I want to get because this this just came up yesterday where she wrote that. And but generally, you're, you you oh, even your community, your your ex wife, you you have a um, it seems to me almost like an atypical re- relationship with your ex wife where you're you're very accommodating. Would you say that's? Uh, um. Yes, I try to be accommodating and I try to be very amicable with my ex. And the the thing that's interesting about it is. That I was thinking to myself, like, I'm very friendly with Irene. We talk all the time. And I would say that we're friends. Um, my ex-girlfriend, who lives in the city, um, she and I are very close friends. And uh, we're still in each other's life. It's not anything more than friends. But I thought to myself, I don't have that friendship with my ex. It is because we still have children together and... I don't know. I mean, I don't know what it is. Like, like I barely hug my ex-wife when I see her. You know, there'll be there have been a few social situations <laughs> I, where I, I will I, greet her. I think there's I'm a lot not of mean people to her. Aren't, aren't hugging their ex-wives. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to get up <laughs> to a point where I can hug my. I, I don't feel the need. I have an ex-wife, <laughs> uh, and I just saying right now we're not probably going there anytime soon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you know but yeah there's some people might hug the ex-wife just so that or ex-husband just so that they can get a better position with a knife <laughs> well listen Colin, I, no one's ever asked me i'm not trying to collect a series of ex-girlfriends that i want to be friends i'd really just rather be with a woman and have a grown-up relationship where we i don't know netflix and chill i don't know what that means even but you know uh, but Irene wrote to me yesterday, and it, she said, just random, completely out of the blue, I think it's amazing how humans work. You were a big part of my life for six months, and now we barely say a hello. So then, of course, I responded, hello. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is our show. Let's let Mr. Big Voice take us out. 
Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed Unbecoming of Age. Bonus content at unbecomingofage.com. Subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher. Find us on social media at Unbecoming of Age. And sometimes when we touch.